Hey, it's Luke at HIP, and if you've been listening to the Grow Ortho podcast maybe for weeks, months, or in some cases years, you know that we typically interview an industry expert, whether it be someone working in the office or a consultant uh, or just a strategic partner for orthodontist. Well, we're going to change things up just a bit. And this year we've actually released four books. And so we're going to release every audiobook, basically a chapter for each episode. Listen, enjoy, and let us know what you find valuable and implement and what works well in your office. Thanks so much for supporting HIP. And we hope you enjoy all these episodes on the Practice Growth Series. Chapter 3. Structuring Your Ideal Practice When I released my first book, The Ultimate Practice, I felt a strong sense of accomplishment knowing that I was finally getting the message out to hundreds of orthodontists who may have been struggling to understand their role as technicians while simultaneously being business owners. I had poured all of my insights into that book, and as brutally honest as I was, I thought the readers appreciated it. And for the most part, it was. But I'll never forget the day I received a phone call from one orthodontist. She had read my book and immediately told me how offended she was. What part offended you? I asked her. Well, in the title of Chapter 5, you tell orthodontists that they suck at doing business. That's not fair or true. I'm great at running my business, she responded accusingly. The interesting thing about that was she had just started her business. I tried to respond in the most polite way possible. But can you show me to prove otherwise? Because from my understanding, the success of your business is yet to be determined, correct? Shocked by my response, her rebuttal was, Well, I can figure it out. It's not rocket science. She had a point there. It's not rocket science. But here's the thing. Running a business is a full-time job, and it takes a ton of work. I told her that if she looked past the chapter title, she would realize that the chapter talks about how an orthodontist is not trained to run a business. They're trained to fix a patient's teeth and bite issues. But what you can do is hire someone whose experience is in running a business so that you can be an orthodontist full-time, doing five to $10,000 an hour in production. Why split your time doing something you don't have any experience in, and probably aren't that good at. She was adamant that she could do it independently, so I left the conversation at that. Look, I'm not here to tell people they can't do it. I'm here to give people growth advice and explain what they can do to maximize their growth seamlessly without doing two full-time jobs, providing patient care and running a business, and without having zero time for a personal life outside of work. And I get it. You're proud of what you've accomplished and you want to make sure you have control over your business so you can protect its integrity. You want the best for yourself because you've worked hard to reach this point. Understandable. But I want you to know that it doesn't have to be so hard. It doesn't have to consume your whole life. Some people do their jobs exceptionally well, just as you are an orthodontics expert. Let those people in, and I promise you will feel a newfound sense of integrity and accomplishment within your business. If you still feel like this orthodontist when reading this book, maybe this book is not for you. If you're interested in learning more about this, I'll share what some exceptional orthodontists I work with have accomplished by putting their egos aside and accepting help. Every great journey must begin with a vision and, of course, a map. Now, let's map out your ideal practice. 
org charts. Why are they so important? We know how important it is to document every single aspect of your vision for the proper execution to ensue. For that vision to come to life, you need a team, and every person's role must be mapped out on paper. You have to see where they fit in your practice, what their title will be, who they'll be reporting to, and who is accountable for them. Think of your org chart as your accountability chart. Structuring this in a chart format is the most logical way to visually see how everything connects. As far as size goes, I have broken it down by production numbers, which I have arbitrarily defined as small, medium, and large practices. Disclaimer, this is my criteria, not necessarily the industry's. Within each of these, you'll see the different roles and positions you'll need to develop and fill to move on to the next level. Small Practice Org Chart this is a small practice org chart showing a typical three-level staff structure for a small orthodontic practice. The orthodontist is shown at the top of the hierarchy in a gray box. In the next level down is the office manager in a blue box. On the third level, reporting to the office manager are front desk, scheduling in a green box, treatment coordinator in a red box, and clinical assistant in a purple box. A small practice is defined as anything below 3 million in production. It consists of the orthodontist and the office manager as the leadership duo, responsible for the front desk and scheduling coordinator, treatment coordinator, and clinical assistant. You'll notice that this practice size doesn't require a COO, but it does have an office manager who would be running the day-to-day -day operations and reporting to the orthodontist. This is the stepping stone to getting to a medium-sized practice. So, if your practice isn't currently let out this way, in that you don't have an office manager, this is where you first need to be in your growth journey. Your office manager won't be the person making business decisions at this level. That'll still be you. But they will be able to do things like hire, fire, and manage your staff by providing the right direction. They're like your HR with busy work, leaving you with the time to run your business and take care of patients. When looking for your office manager, you should look for similar qualities as described in the COO position regarding personality and attributes. This person needs to be able to lead a small team, think strategically, believe in your core values, and help execute them in your practice. If you want to grow from a small to medium-sized practice, you should start thinking this way. You fill all the roles in the medium org chart with the people you have, so one person's responsibilities will fall into multiple roles. As you grow, you can shift them into more specialized roles and hire more people to fill the additional roles in the org chart. This is also how one person on your team can become well-versed in every role and take on more responsibility. If they have the ambition and drive and truly share your vision and core values, they may become ripe for grooming as the COO when you grow to the next level. Medium Practice Org Chart here we see a medium practice org chart showing a typical multi-level staff structure for a medium-sized orthodontic practice. Text at the bottom tells us that a typical medium practice is around $3 million plus in production. At the top level of the hierarchy are the orthodontist and COO, shown in gray boxes. In the next level down are six positions. Clinical director, shown on the far left in a purple box. Below it, also in purple, are... Lead assistant with assistance, one box, in the fourth level below it. Lab technician with record technicians, one box, in the fourth level below it. 
and inventory. Next in the second level is treatment coordinators in a reddish-orange box. Next in the second level is financial coordinators, with insurance in the third level below it, both shown in green boxes. Next in the second level is marketing director, shown in a pink box. Next in the second level is patient call center director, with call center team in the third level below it, both shown in blue boxes. Last in the second level on the far right is office manager, with front desk team in the third level below it, both shown in red boxes. A medium practice does between three and eight million in production. At this size, it's time to consider hiring a COO as they'll be responsible for managing your leadership team. That's your clinical director, treatment coordinator, financial coordinator, marketing director, patient call center director, and office manager. Each of these individuals has their own departments to manage, and many of them will have their own team to manage as well. While the orthodontist and COO are side-by-side -side in this chart at equal levels, it's important to note that the CEO and owner of the practice is the orthodontist. But when working in patient care at the office, they work under the COO, the operational leader. Dr. Ernie McDowell, CEO of All Smiles Orthodontics, said it best. When I'm at the practice, I work under Janet, the COO. When I'm not at the practice, or we're in a business meeting or conference, then she's reporting the day-to-day -day operations back to me. Other than that, she takes the lead. Put that ego aside. If you want to grow to a medium-sized practice, you have to bring on a COO. When you bring on that COO, this is the mindset you need to have. Don't get me wrong. Lots of doctors have grown to medium or large without one but I do know that it is not the easiest, most efficient, and cost-effective way. It's time to put that ego aside and let your operational leader run your practice in your best interest. That's probably Dr. Ben Fishbein's best trait. He doesn't have an ego. He lets the people he trusts take the lead without the need to micromanage, empowering team members to voice their opinions and call the shots. He doesn't yell or raise his voice when things go wrong. He takes the proper action to course-correct as soon as issues transpire. That's probably why there's a unique synergy between him, his COO, and his leadership team. He knows when to step in and when to stay back. He's definitely a unicorn in this industry, as 95% of orthodontists just can't allow themselves to do what he does with his team. It's unfortunate, because when you step back and let your people shine, trust develops. That's how you're going to retain a strong team. What if I can't afford it? If you're still feeling concerned about the massive cost it'll be to bring on a COO, just think of it like this. Let's say you start them with a salary of 100K. Sure, that's a big hit because it comes right off your profits and take home. But if you want to grow, it's your investment in your vision. Break it down. Each start is worth approximately $5,000 to production. It would only take 20 new starts to pay for that salary. We have clients that have gotten more starts from a reactivation campaign. If you don't know how easy those are to do, revisit book number two. Our best offices have no problem doing 20 starts in a week or way beyond that. So, there you have it, salary paid. And as you continue to grow, 
offer your COO an annual performance bonus as the cherry on top to thank them for their successful contribution to that growth. If you're running things at full capacity in a medium-sized practice, every single one of these people in this org chart is working to their full potential daily. The systems are in place, and everyone follows them, has someone to report to, and is held accountable for maintaining those standards. And if there are multiple locations, each one is consistent and efficient, with a brand and culture that looks the same. It is only once you've perfected those systems and the teams within your org chart, in that they're working seamlessly through the motions and your schedule is at full capacity, that you can consider growing any further by opening another location. At this point, I'd like to point out that I've seen doctors grow to a large size with a single location. Is it the money? Or the mission. Some orthodontists are comfortable staying at the medium practice size. They enjoy bringing in five million in production annually and taking home two. They enjoy the lifestyle it brings them, going home in time for dinner with their family and playing golf on the weekends. But others seek out more from their positions as business owners. They want to provide their employees with opportunities to grow in this industry. They want to help people by providing free treatment and investing in their communities. That's why, when you're putting your vision onto paper, it's important to ask yourself this question. Is it about the money, or is it about the mission? If it's about the money, you're looking for a lifestyle practice. You want to be able to live the life you want, and the money from your practice will fund it. But if it's about the mission, then you're going to do everything in your power to grow as much as possible so you can reinvest that money into helping people. That's a big job, and it's not for everyone. There's nothing wrong with wanting a lifestyle practice. Most of my clients have lifestyle practices, but some want to go above and beyond to fulfill a bigger mission. My goal with this book is to show more doctors that this is possible and increase the number of orthodontists inspired to grow to this level. Large Practice Org Chart Now we say a large practice org chart showing a typical multi-level staff structure for a large orthodontic practice. Text at the bottom tells us that a typical large practice is around $8 million plus in production. At the top level of the hierarchy are two orthodontists and the COO. In the next level down is the director of operations. These four positions are shown in gray boxes. In the third level down are six positions, each with one or more positions reporting to them. These positions are Clinical Director, shown on the far left in a purple box. Below this position are the following, also in purple. Four Clinical Managers, shown in separate boxes on the fourth level. Below two of the Clinical Managers is one Clinical Assistant, shown in a wider box to indicate that the position serves both the Clinical Managers above it. Below the third Clinical Manager is the Lead Assistant. Below the fourth Clinical Manager is the Lab Technician. Four additional positions are shown on the fifth level below that. Clin Check Coordinator, Invisalign Coordinator, Record Technician, and Inventory Coordinator. Next in the third level is the Marketing Director. A Community Outreach position is below that. Both positions are shown in pink boxes. Next in the third level is the Financial Director. A Financial Coordinator position is below that. Both positions are shown in green boxes. Next in the third level is the sales director. A treatment coordinator position is below that. 
Both positions are shown in reddish-orange boxes. Next in the third level is the patient call center director. The call center team is below that. Both positions are shown in blue boxes. Last in the third level at the far right is admin director, shown in a red box. Below that are the following positions, also in red. Four office managers shown in separate boxes on the fourth level. Below two of the office managers is one assistant manager, shown in a wider box to indicate that the position serves both the office managers above it. Below the other two of the office managers is the front desk team, shown in a wider box to indicate that it serves both of the office managers above it. A large practice is anything over eight million in production. At this point, it's probably wise to bring another doctor on board, as you'll have too many patients to handle on your own, as well as a director of operations to help manage your leadership team, as your COO will be busy with higher level business needs. Your leadership teams will manage more staff to keep up with the demand. Some large practices have multiple locations. Fishbein has eight, and Osmiles has six. Some key leadership roles in the org chart, like COO and Director of Marketing, are centralized, while other roles are duplicated in each location. If the practice has centralized their inbound calls, they only need one call center to service all the locations. We'll talk more about locations and satellites in Chapter 7. Many people tend to plateau at the $8 million mark when they get to this practice size. They've done everything right up until now, adding all the necessary roles and departments to reach their goals. But like every other journey aspect, it begins with your mindset. What gets you to one level will not work to get you to the next level. You can't just do more of what you are always doing to grow. It takes new people, new operations, and new procedures. You should be clear about what you want and the people you will involve to help get you there. You have to think big. And one person's ability to think big is not enough. You need a team of people both internally and externally who will help lead you there. That's why, to achieve a large practice producing well beyond 8 million, you need to up your internal marketing and hire an external marketing team, such as HIP, to get your name out there. You need a community outreach coordinator to go out and deliver your message to new people. You need to sponsor and make your brand known to the masses. You need people to immediately think of you when they think of orthodontic treatment. You'll need to duplicate your team in one location and another. You need all the help you can get, and you need to be comfortable investing the money, as it's the best investment you'll make as a business owner on a mission for greatness. Dr. Ed Wentz owns an eight-figure practice in Texas, and at 65 years old, he's still hungry for more. I'll never forget a story his COO, Joe, told me during a dinner we had a few years back. He shared how, during one month, his team was able to achieve 400 starts. When Ed heard this, he immediately said, Wow, 400 starts, that's great. Why don't we do 500 next? When I heard that, I couldn't help but think about what Magic Johnson said after he purchased an investment company and brought it from $14 billion to $20 billion. Let's celebrate for five minutes and then get back to work. I laughed and told him, that's a visionary mindset. Joe continued, explaining how it's hard for him to fathom more growth because they're constantly putting in 100% of their effort, and he always wants more. He explained how they would have to hire five more people to reach 500 starts. 
His response? So hire five more people then. That's the ultimate difference between the visionary and the integrator. The integrator often can't think that big and sometimes finds it hard to understand. In the integrator's mind, they're thinking of every nuanced detail and the possible changes they'll need to make to achieve that. The visionary isn't thinking of the steps they need to implement to make it happen or how much it will cost them. But that's what you want. You want that visionary to always want more. More for themselves and more for others. It's meeting a goal and setting a higher goal right after. It's always striving for the next phase. For visionaries like Ed, the mission never ends. The mindset is always to improve. And as difficult as it may be for the COO to understand, they will put forth that vision to the best of their ability when they have a leader that truly believes it is possible. That balance is necessary when running a successful business, resulting in a healthy relationship between the COO and CEO. Managing Accountability In the previous chapter, Janet, the COO at All Smiles, mentioned that holding your team accountable to the responsibilities outlined in their designated roles is not just something that can be taught once and left up to their own devices. Their respective managers and directors should always be checking in, following up, training, and coaching in the necessary areas. Amanda, the COO at Fishbine, reinforces this by saying the team is responsible for following each procedure. Managing accountability is extremely important if you want longevity in the success of your business. Knowing what the chain of command is, from your bottom line to your top line, should be clear and consistent. You should be hiring, firing, recognizing, and rewarding your team based on these behaviors. By not doing this, certain aspects of your practice will crumble and fall apart. You will risk having unhappy patients and employees and a negative reputation within your community. Managing accountability starts with you, and it is passed on to your leadership team to maintain daily. It starts with you outlining the behaviors and expectations you expect from your COO, your COO demonstrating them to the leadership team, and the leadership team relaying them to the rest of your staff. It's an ongoing process, but by staying consistent, your entire staff will be working towards meeting your goals in the most efficient way possible. Dr. Fishbein recalls when he only had 20 employees working at his practice. He now has a team of over 100 employees, so he knows there are a lot of people responsible for various tasks and many leaders responsible for making sure those tasks are completed at the highest standard. But he also knows that when one person slacks and doesn't do their part, everyone else can feel it. You can have the best treatment coordinator, TC, in the world, but if your scheduling coordinator doesn't answer the phone, the TC won't be able to make that sale. Every role is incredibly important, from the doctor to the person answering the phone, because if there's one misstep, it'll almost throw the whole thing off. As you grow, I think it's important that you have those team members in place who are ready to take on those responsibilities and their managers are ready to hold them accountable because otherwise, you'll just hinder your growth. Can you make it your reality? Growing from small to medium to large can be lengthy and time-consuming, but with the right commitment, dedication, and buy-in from your team, the journey of getting there can be quite rewarding. However, the only way you will build a team who can meet the expectations you've set out for them is by first creating a successful brand and a welcoming culture that is conducive for them to thrive and grow. In the next chapter, 
We'll outline how you can promote your brand, showcase your culture, and uphold and maintain them to allow your vision and core values to shine fully within your practice and community.